Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Corey. I'm Jamie. And we're so excited to have you here today uh, hanging out with us. Jamie, how, how's your week going? Well, Corey, um, my week is going very well. Um, I just got back from New York. I finally made my first trip fully vaccinated and, um, you know, since, God, early 2020. And wow. it was awesome. I love that. It was so awesome. Shout out to, I know some of them are listening. Shout out to my, my favorite people. You know who you are. <laughs> Um, and your babies. Um, <laughs> I finally got to be with all of my, you know, nieces and nephews, um, honorary and Jamie here. And uh, it was just the best trip and to see my friends and to see everybody so happy. And it was just beautiful. The weather was beautiful. Everything, the whole thing was beautiful. Look, I'm already crying. <laughs> We're getting emotional. Um, and then I came back and, um, you know, Eric picked me up from the airport and we had a very, you know, long, serious discussion. And um, I decided that I'm taking a job. So I have a new job, which is super exciting. And then we also made it official that like, he's moving in ASAP. So Love that. lots of big life changes happening, very good, positive life changes. So Yay! Celebrating the good and, and you know and acknowledging the the rough times too. That's that's really good. I'm so happy for you because these are all wonderful things. Yes, yes, and you know I wanted to just share you know with you and and anybody else who's been kind of following along in in this kind of little journey I've been going through since we started the podcast. Um, so yeah, it's all really good. So you tell me what's what's going on over there. Good things, I hope. Yeah, good things, you know, just living life, you know, weather's getting a little nicer, kind of excited for, you know, the summer season, planning trips with the family, celebrated my uh, eighth wedding anniversary, I think it was my eighth, yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble <laughs> if I don't get, um, it's my eighth, 2013, so I'm guessing my eighth, so my eighth anniversary uh, on Monday. Oh, happy anniversary. And, uh, and then we have our birthdays this week. So I have my wife's birthday tomorrow and then my, Wait, birthday, what? my, my birthday on Friday. Oh, well, am I not the worst podcast? I don't think I knew when your birthday was. I don't think we ever really talked about it. That's okay. It's Friday. it's Friday. Friday, which is May 2021. 20, okay. The same, day, the same day as Biggie, you know, so. <laughs> oh, um, legend. <laughs> yeah. So that's been good. But other than that, you know, just existing and working and all that good stuff so oh, it's, it's been good um, i'm glad happy birthday week thank you i'm sure I'll, and I'm to sure julie I'll... too <laughs> yes <laughs> shout out to julie um so yeah. yeah uh so today we have an, a wonderful guest on our podcast someone who uh we may meet through the social medias as we do but somebody mm -hmm. who just just has a really unique perspective on things so please welcome to the podcast our dear friend danny everyone. Hi, thank you for asking me to be on here. And also, oh my gosh, there are so many things to congratulate everyone on, on the big move in and job and the trip. I just took my first trip on a plane, which really freaked me out because I'm very weird about COVID, but I did it and it was really exciting. I went to Chicago right. to visit my sister. It was wonderful. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad you got to do that. I yeah. really do feel like once, you know, like now that it's done, I'm like, 
it's going to be okay. Everything was really clean, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. I um, felt comfortable. That's great. And, um, and happy, happy early birthday to you, your wife and the anniversary. Like way to go. That's a lot. That's a great. So, <laughs> so we're right? dorks. We actually call, um, because we have, we, we intentionally planned everything in tandem. So we call it happy anniversary. <laughs> Cute. it's kind of dorky <laughs> like like we're dorks we call it happy anniversary so that's what we, so that's like our way of because we both hate celebrating our birthdays like by ourselves so we're like let's just make this one big celebration and get out of the way so that's what we oh, do that's lovely uh, but yeah so it's, it's it's great no it's exciting um so danny when when i first encountered you on social media through tiktok of course like we find everyone almost um mm-hmm. you posted this video about about losing the love of your life um Mm -hmm. and what the reason why it stuck with me is because not too long after that you were on tiktok and i jumped on and i was like hey like let's talk about this and um i know that there's like this stigma sometimes people don't want to talk about stuff but i was like hey tell me some of your favorite stories about about jack about your your deceased your deceased man and Mm -hmm. you just you just were able to you were so happy to just talk about him and just acknowledge his existence and and all that stuff so i thought that was a really special thing so um let's kind of start at the beginning so i don't know how far back you want to go with your story of jack but let's just start with with the whole process of of meeting him and then going into to when you found out he was sick and let's go from there sure um and also thank you for thank you for saying that i honestly I have never been sad when talking about Jack. It exclusively brings a smile to my face. Um, Mm -hmm. Even right after his passing, the minute I was talking about him, I was smiling again. Um, So he just has that effect on people, I suppose. (laughs) Um, So Jack and I met, we actually, I don't know how much I've talked about this on TikTok, but we actually only got to be together for about a year. Mm -hmm. We met one summer, (laughs) Uh, we met, summer 2019 um he he was fresh out of some long-term relationship and I was living my best single life and we met up I remember he was wearing a corduroy shirt in the middle of the summer it was 90 something degrees this British man was wearing a corduroy shirt and long pants it was hilarious um we had like an eight-hour date it was amazing we met up at 7 30 and just went on the most magical first date of my life. Like we had a couple of drinks and then we went for a stroll and we ended up in Central Park and like walking in there when you're not supposed to and that sort of thing. And I remember, I'll share this because I think it's so, it's so Jack and so cute. Um, Our first kiss was there's that big pond in Central Park with like these little rock inlets. And we stopped there to look at the full moon and I thought of, I thought he was going to lean in for the kiss, but like he just wasn't making the move. And I was like, okay, you know, back to the strolling. And when I walked away, he called, he was like, wait, hold on. Can I kiss you? <laughs> and so I walked back, I walked back uh, and kissed him and then started cracking Aww. up. So I was like, <laughs> that's a very so polite, very British, right? Very British. Very British. Um, <laughs> very British. And he was like, it was just such a perfect moment. I didn't want to lose it. And it was just, it's so, it was so just Jack, because he's a very sincere, uh, genuine, sweet little person. Um, 
which yeah, I should have mentioned also five minutes into our first date, he revealed that his visa, because he was here on a work visa, was expiring and he had to go back while the new one was being processed for an unknown amount of time. So we kind of went into this date being like, okay, well, so nobody here wants anything serious. We're just going to have fun. And then it turns out it was like the best date of all the, either of our lives. Um, and then, yeah. And we met up again, like a couple of days later and had an even longer date. Um, and eight hours was literally the shortest amount of time I've ever spent with Jack. <laughs> so at that point, we both just kind of were very blunt with each other and said, I guess we're going to spend the next month spending all of our time together and figuring out if this is like a thing we want to do long distance a month in. And we, we absolutely did. Um, and it was lovely. It was so lovely. And he finally came back um, two months later and it was, it was like the relationship had already escalated because he spent so much time um, just talking and getting to know someone when, you know, there aren't very many other options. You're just, you know, FaceTiming on occasion and texting and phone calls and whatever. Um, so we bonded very quickly. Kind of like and then, in a bottle, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was. And I'm not normally like that. It was, I don't know, sometimes when you know, you know, um, exactly. I'm sure you guys understand. <laughs> um, and I'm not one for games. So it was, it was nice that he was on the same page as me on with all that. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so we had a couple of really lovely, just normal months. Um, but his stomach was starting to hurt a lot. I it kept feeling like it was different things. Like maybe it was an ulcer or whatever. Um, I kept pushing him to go to the doctor, but he didn't really want to for whatever reason. And finally I sent him to my personal doctor and within a couple of days, she was like, oh, you need to get the CT. You need to get this blood work. And I remember it was Friday, December 13th. Cause that just felt eerie. Yeah. He was called back to her office and he texted me and he was like, Danny, when you're done with work, can you please, can you please come and um, meet me at this doctor's office? I don't think it's good. Um, which is just like this triggering moment where we, it was like a switch flipped and suddenly we were basically like married. I can't explain it. Um, I went there and we got the, we got the news that it was lesions on his liver and it could very well be cancer. This is probably the moment to share that can uh, that Jack is certified genius. He did Oxford for undergrad and then got his PhD from Cambridge wow. in cancer research. Um, so, yeah, so he knew pretty much. Um, and he just, he broke down because he was like, Danny, if it's liver cancer, I know what that means. It's very, very hard thing to cover from. Um, and I was the eternal, I tried to be the eternal optimist, like, well, not even optimistic, just we only know what we know. So don't get ahead of yourself. Um, but yeah, so. Which is practical. Day, <laughs> I, I try to be. <laughs> um, but yeah, that day we, I went to his apartment. We lived like 10 blocks apart for most of that time. I went to his apartment and I was like, cool, I'm moving in now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we moved in and we moved in together. Um, and I skipped family Christmas and we just kind of stayed there together dealing with this because all of his family was overseas. Um, a few days later, 
his pain got really bad and he had to go to the hospital. And that's when he got a biopsy. Turns out, I mean, it's honestly, it's such a long, the cancer story is so long that I don't even think it's worth getting into, but basically he, he had a very rare kind of cancer. Um, and there was a chance of a transplant, uh, a liver transplant, um, or there was a chance that there was basically like a one-year survival rate with a 1% chance of, you know, it was not good. Um, and that's, I think when we got super, super close when he actually got the cancer diagnosis, because I have terrible anxiety, terrible anxiety. And Jack's anxiety was somehow much worse than mine. And we were the only thing that could calm each other down. <laughs> so I like the night he went to the hospital, I stayed in the hospital with him and then he was there for a week. And I, the nurses knew me cause I slept in his bed. I did not exit his bed. Like I exited to get him water and food, but I slept that's, in his bed and I did not amazing. leave the hospital. Dang. I was probably, that's amazing. It was, it was nice that we got to do that. Um, we did not waste a single second together, not a single second. Um, it's the most comforting aspect after he passed away was I could truly look back at the four month battle we had with angiosarcoma and have absolutely no regrets. Um, when it came to my job, um, they were really nice and flexible with me, but um, ultimately, like my mom said, you know, at some point you're going to probably have to decide between go, like, you're not going into the office, you're staying home and taking care of Jack full time. So you're going to maybe have to decide between keeping your job or taking care of Jack. And I was like, I'll lose the job. That's not a, it's my dream job. I'm obsessed with my job, but um, I would lose the job. Not a problem. It wasn't a question. Um, thankfully they were really nice and worked with me, basically gave me six months off. Um, and yeah, so we spent absolutely every second together and all the time talking. There is, there is a bond that I think you form when all else in the relationship can no longer kind of happen. Like even cuddling because he, his liver was the size of half of his abdomen. Mm. Um, so he couldn't, he couldn't even spoon, you know, like, um, and he couldn't sleep in a bed. He had to sleep on the couch. I got an air mattress to blow up so I could be at the same level as him. We could hold hands while we slept. Um, one time somebody told me that it's really weird to hold hands while you sleep. And I was like, no, no it's so beautiful. Like, this is so beautiful to me. Being the optimist and then kind of getting the, the anxiety of knowing that what the most likely outcome is happening. Um, were you able to, I mean, Jack is grieving in his own way. And obviously it seems like you two are kind of mutually learning to grieve each, each side of, of this together. I mean, were, were, were you trying to, trying to be a little stronger for him, not letting yourself process it, or were you able to just take the emotions head on? First, I should say that Jack understood what his diagnosis likely meant. He, he did not process it though. He was very much not in denial, but he didn't want to engage with it. Like he didn't want to engage with his own medical care at all. Um, when we went into cancer appointments, I had, I literally spoke for him um, and he wouldn't until maybe the last month engage. Um, 
So I don't think, and that, that actually is something I'll get back to because okay. he was not allowed, like I was not allowed to let him know that he was not going to make it, even though he asked me directly. So he, he didn't process it as much as I did. Um, I largely tried to stay away from Google. I didn't want to know anything about angiosarcoma. Um, all I knew is that it was rare and it wasn't good. Um, and that my job was to make sure he was going to the doctors, eating healthy and getting his medication on time. Um, there were a couple times where I just completely broke down because I was not allowing myself to feel anything, um, besides, besides love, to be honest, which I don't think is a terrible, I don't, I don't think I would have changed the damn thing. Um, I was just so focused on being with Jack and being happy with him. Cause it was impossible. Even when things were terrible, it was impossible to be sad with him. I just like his presence was so comforting and joyous to me that I just wanted to like soak it in, um, not knowing how much of it I would have. Um, the few times that I actually did kind of try to process it on my end, I was talking to my mom mostly because <laughs> I don't have the best history of dealing with things and people I love dying. <laughs> Um, like the first time I saw a psychiatrist was after my guinea pigs passed away. Like, oh. <laughs> I don't oh. deal with death well. Um, and I told her that I was like, well, this is not gonna go too well. Um, like I'm going to be a very broken person if I lose Jack. And I had to briefly think about the fact, like, I don't, technically, I don't need to do this to myself. Technically I don't. That was something that was on my mind a lot because when his family was there, it was, I think in some ways easier for them because they, they of course were gonna be there. And for me, it was like, I'm deciding to put myself through this pain. It wasn't really a decision though, of course, like you love a person that much, it's not right. a choice, you but you're thinking, it, but... you're like, oh God, I'm just sitting here. And if, if I had made one different decision, this wouldn't have been my life. But of course I would never have made a different decision. Um, so a couple of times that I did think about it, I talked to my mom about how I didn't know how I was ever going to recover from this if he passed away in like a couple months or a couple of years. Either way, I knew I did not have forever with Jack. That's all I knew. Um, and that it was just going to get harder the more time went on. But much like losing my job, potentially, it was, it was not a question. It wasn't, I'm, I was like, destroy me. That's fine. <laughs> I'll take the wreckage. Um, so yeah, to kind of fast forward a bit, um, Jack and I spent all of our time together while he was sick, um, separated for like an hour at most and we would freak out about it. We were like, no, this is no good. I don't like it at all. Um, was, was there ever a point where he let, him, let himself feel vulnerable and let himself start to grieve? His, he, all that? With me, he was... I think he tried to put on a strong face for strong face actually isn't even really the right he put on a strong face for his mom but largely when it came to all of this he got a little bit like catatonic almost mm. he just mm. went fully like in a doctor's office fully blank um did not want to engage with it at all um it was usually around 2 a.m i would finally have fallen asleep and he was like 
time to talk, which I loved. I was like, you should always wake me up for the 2 a.m. conversation. And yeah, he was, maybe there was more that he was thinking about, but usually what he said to me, usually what he said to me is that the thing he wanted most was for us to just have a chance to be normal. Like he just wanted to get better so that we could go be normal together. Um, to which I would always respond like, this, is, this isn't ideal, but this is better than normal. Like, look at, all, look at all the time we get to spend together. Look at how close we are. Look at all of this. Closest I've ever been to any person. I'm very close to my family. This is the closest I've ever been to any person. Um, it was very much like connected. <laughs> Um, intertwined soul feeling that I didn't really believe in prior. Um, sorry, I, I'm crying. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's really beautiful. You know, um, yeah. I, I was, I was like, okay, are you ready to screenplay? Because this could be like a movie. Like this, this is a, well, this, this is like a, a really good idea for a movie. Like right here, like just, I, just write down the experience, put it in there. You know. <laughs> I really feel like you made such a, the right decision, you know, and like, sure, you didn't have to do that. Right. But like, he, like the timing of you guys meeting and him not having to go through it alone and just, you now are enriched with this love, right. Yeah. That you can bring into the world and, and move forward with, you know, and of course it is absolutely just tragic, you know, like this is horrible yeah but you know you you were able to I, I mean I can only imagine how grateful he was for you <laughs> I know this sounds a bit like a line but we were extremely grateful for each other like he would thank me for being there but I would always and I mean always thank him for just letting me be there every day in the hospital I was like thank you for letting me be the person who's here with you um I would thank him for letting me be the person who did all of his like awkward home care stuff and ever like I was just really he had options you know um so it feels really feels special that he chose me and that is quite the gift because he's a very special person so he could have he could have chosen anyone he could have chosen a far better person than me but here we are um I don't think so <laughs> I'd like to differ on that one <laughs> you believe in in anything higher powers or whatnot but I I do believe that I mean you both needed each other in your own special ways and you both had enough common sense and smarts to recognize that this is not just some little dating story this is this is the kind of stuff that people make movies about you know i mean this is this is something significant and you both had enough common sense to say okay we're gonna we're gonna take this road even if it's a shorter road than most people get it's it's gonna be our road so i think that's really special um let's let's get a little heavier let's let's talk about um let's we can kind of lead up to his passing but let's kind of talk about the 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 the, the final the final stretch so to speak yeah yeah um and just to go back for a second i will say i i'm not like religious um but i do lately especially i believe in the universe and 
I'm fairly convinced it's a fast moving tumor. So I'm fairly convinced that based on how he was when we first met, like we met right when the cancer was starting. Um, so I do kind of feel like the universe for some reason or another brought us into each other's lives so that I could, speaking from my perspective, so that I could experience such a, such a wonderful love that honestly, I don't think I'll be able to match again. It was like a whole other level of loving someone. And so that he had someone who understood the American healthcare system. <laughs> no, so that he, <laughs> so, that, sure. so that we could be together, so that we could be together. He had um, someone who loved him unconditionally, which is what there I did. Um, as for the last, as for the last kind of um, month or so, I would say, he, we were on our own for the last month. His family came for a good chunk of, on and off for January and February. Um, and then it was us for all of March and he passed away on April 9th. Mm-hmm. And he, um, we were fighting really hard to get him a liver transplant because his cancer was so rare. We wanted someone to take kind of a risk and see if they would be willing to do it. Cause he, he actually, we went through the whole liver transplant process. We thought we were gonna get one it was scheduled. And then two days later, they called us and said, actually, we think this is a different kind of cancer and we can't transplant it because it will just come back more aggressively. Um, but yeah, we were set. Like his brother-in-law went through the whole process, was cleared to be his. Yeah, it was, that was probably the worst day of my life. Um, the day we got that call, it was awful. Um, so we spent the rest of the time kind of like, arguing to see if somebody else would be willing to do it if it was just too high of a risk factor because his scans weren't showing his cancer getting worse actually it shrunk a little but it turns out it was micro tumors that they could not catch Mm. um so (laughs) cancer people will know um his bilirubin was through the roof um so they couldn't get him treatment and finally this doctor who really believed in him um, was like, okay, so we're going to take you in for a procedure. We're either going to be able to stent this, the Billy Rubin tube, right? Um, or it's going to be full of micro or you're full of micro tumors and that will be bad pretty much. Um, and this was right when this is at the beginning of March. So this is right when, or this is mid-March. So this is right when COVID was hitting New York pretty bad. And I wasn't allowed into the hospital with him. Mm-hmm. Um, besides to like take him in for chemo, but like in the cancer ward, I wasn't allowed to go up there. Um, and that's the first time we had been separated and certainly separated in the hospital. Um, so it was awful. It was awful, but initially it actually looked like the stent worked and then it was very clear that the stent didn't work. Um, so I had to fight really hard because he wasn't officially on hospice, but he was supposed to be on hospice and hospice patients were allowed to have one visitor. Um, so I literally, <laughs> I parked myself outside of his hospital, the Columbia one way uptown or way on the west side, um, parked myself outside the hospital, emailing the head of oncology, emailing every doctor that I had a connection to. And I was like, you get me in that hospital right now. <laughs> like, I will not be waiting out here any longer. So I waited out there for, I went and waited outside there two days. The second day I was finally allowed in. Um, and 
Yeah. And that's where, that's where it got kind of tough. Um, so I was the first one to be told that he had to go on hospice care over the phone, like the day before I was allowed in. Um, and his parents didn't, he was there for that information, but he wasn't processing things like that. Um, and his family didn't want to, his family didn't want to tell him that he was going on hospice, which obviously I respect um, and I would never say, but he was asking me and our whole thing was that I never lied to him. I never sugarcoated anything. I just told, he trusted me to tell him things honestly. Um, so he was asking me directly, he said, am I, cause we were getting on an air ambulance to go take him back to the UK um, so that he could be with his family for the last week. Um, and <laughs> he asked me, am I just getting on a plane to go die in the UK? And the answer was yes. The answer is yes, but I couldn't say that to him. And that's the first and only time I lied. Well, I kind of lied. I said, there's nothing any doctor here can do for you. So you need to get on the plane. Um, his family said to me that they were worried he wouldn't get on the, I mean, clearly based on that question, he wouldn't want to get on the plane if it was just to go home to pass away. Um, but anyway, I was supposed to go with him and that is when I got COVID. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I know it's terrible. Oh. God, no, I know. you guys apologize to me. I am so sorry. Yeah, I mean, I've just processed it, but New York I City, man. how it sounds. And it's just like, I know, this is rough. Um, it was rough at the time, too. So, I, so hey, masks work. Um, I went up there and I stayed with him. He got COVID tested a few times because he was in the hospital. And they got me in for a COVID test, like when that was really hard to do. Um, and I was waiting the eight hours or whatever for the result. I stayed in his hospital room for two days, had a mask on the entire time, slept with mask on everything. Um, and he did not get COVID from me, which is some sort of miracle. But I remember distinctly, we were moved into this like really nice private room. He was so happy because the rooms that he was in had this perfect view of the Hudson and he loves, loves the water. His whole, he really wanted to come down here to Florida to spend some time by the water but the timing just didn't work out um so he got to he got to stare at the Hudson and see the sunset and everything perfect view so that made him very happy um and I remember at sunset that day I was like this is I feel like this is probably the last sunset we're gonna enjoy together and I don't know why I felt that way I just did and then the nurse comes in and she's like, hey, can I talk to you outside? She pulls me into the vestibule, tells me I have COVID. And it was like my body lost its bones. I collapsed, <laughs> literally collapsed and just started hyperventilating, um, which really freaked Jack out, which I feel really, really bad about because I think he thought he was getting, I mean, there's no worse news that he could get, but I think yeah. he thought he was getting more bad news. Um, and she was like, oh, you're going to be fine. Like so many of us have had it. You're young. You're going to be fine. And I was like, I don't care how I am. <laughs> um, I really don't care what COVID does to me. I care that I now cannot re-enter that room. I can't go back into that room, which means I will like the last time I hugged Jack is the last time I'll ever hug Jack. I'm not going to be there when he passes away. Like I, we've spent every second together and I'm not going to be able to give him a kiss goodbye. And that is absolute torture. That's, that's 
that yeah that that's a whole grieving process in itself i mean because you yeah. prepared yourself you know i'm sure you were thinking about you know everything you wanted to say to him before he went everything you wanted to do everything you know every you you basically yeah. have this idea of okay this is and then you find it's happening that, <laughs> cut short sorry you know yeah yeah um it was tough because I thought I was going to be getting on a plane with him the next day to be with him and his family who I was very close with during the whole process and that we were just gonna I was going to be able to be in England with him and I was going to be able to I don't know just have like some nice quiet moments that were in hospitals and freaking out about COVID and you know trying to get groceries for us and everything being a panic all the time I really I, I wanted to have that um it was almost kind of like but, that that acceptance phase of grief like like where you, there's just kind of that peace mm-hmm, like exactly. and you were just and you you were robbed of that and that's that's really unfortunate um but then something lovely happened kind of um okay. spoiler i did not get to the uk um but um i was like i need to we need to we need to have our last like good in-person conversation so I opened the door because he was freaking out and I told him, hey, I have COVID. I can't go back into the room. I'm really sorry if I got you sick. I'm, you know, I was worried that he would be anxious about that. Um, and he was like, no, he was just worried. He was just worried about me. And I was like, sir, you have cancer. Why are you worried about me? <laughs> like, um, and I said to him, can you... I don't know when I'm going to be able to get to the UK. So it might be a while until we see each other again, even though I knew we were not going to see each other again. Um, Can you just talk to me? Like, you're not going to see me for a while. And I think at that, he didn't make it clear that he knew, like he didn't start crying or being like, oh, you're telling me that I'm dying. Um, But I think he knew because he said all, we said all the things that you would want to say to someone before um, they passed away and basically that we were really grateful for each other <laughs> and yeah, just a lot of really lovely things that <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually just had a, a really nice experience with this. So I was having a hard day like a month ago and I was really upset because I was so in the moment that I couldn't remember all of the things Jack said to me and he, his mind was starting to go. That's what happens when your kidneys and liver start to fail. Your, your mind starts to go. So he couldn't, he couldn't write it out for me or anything like that. Um, so I, every time I remembered something, I would tell my sister, she would write it down. So I told her like a month ago that I was having a hard day and she just sent me a screenshot of the note with like all these lovely things Jack had said about me, which I, uh, it's too embarrassing to repeat now, but like it was. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they're beautiful. <laughs> this was, is beautiful. I was, <laughs> we can <yeah>. cry together. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. This has been nice. I haven't had a group cry in a minute. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's, you know, this, this will be cathartic for you for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so I got to have that. And then he was so cute. He, he was like, you need to, you do need to leave eventually. Like, I know this is going to be really hard. So how about I FaceTime you while you're, while you're still there on the other side of this door and we're going to slowly close the door, but I'll still be on FaceTime. You can stay on FaceTime with me until you get home. 
And that is what we did. I FaceTimed with him in the elevator on the way out. Like he used to be, he was taking care of me. What? Um, and then. That's love yeah, though. That's that is, love. it was, it is truly like the purest love I've, I've ever, I didn't think it was possible. I did not think it was possible. So he got home to the UK. Um, he was less and less with it um it makes you very sleepy essentially so he was just very tired and confused and like a little bit grumpy not with me but like when we would facetime he'd be like they keep trying to get me to eat things and i'm like you should probably do that though <laughs> um and he was just getting you know a little bit frustrated and things like that but we still facetimed like he would call me if he woke up in the middle of the night just like usual um and i would send him messages for when, when he woke up, he would see them and message me. And we just, it was lovely. Um, towards the end, he wasn't really capable of FaceTiming on his own. Um, he would just keep falling asleep. So his brother-in-law, who I was very close with, would put me on, on his phone on FaceTime and just like secretly prop me up in the living room while they were just all hanging out there watching TV. And I would just like watch <laughs> like a weirdo, but it it made me feel like I was, I just wanted to see him. Um, right. And then the, the morning of April 9th, I got a text from his dad saying, if we're going to do this, it's got to be now. And I was like, okay, I know what that means. Um, so he FaceTimed, his dad FaceTimed me, handed the phone over to Jack. And it was very clear that this was going to be our last conversation. And um, I had the forethought, I haven't revisited it, but I had the forethought to screen record it and then audio record it. The iPhone can't record both at the same time. So I recorded the whole thing and he gave me nine kisses. Like he would just go to the camera and kiss the camera. Like he was kissing my forehead. <laughs> so he just, and that made his dad like break down and start crying. <laughs> um, he was watching all this, but we had, I had his, I feel so fortunate. I was the last lucid conversation he had before he passed that night yeah so that feels like the greatest gift and it was a beautiful conversation it was beautiful basically it was essentially kisses and I love you and that was that was it and him wishing I was there Yeah. yeah so I feel very fortunate in that yes a lot of things went wrong um as far as the end grief process um but I also got a lot of things that not a lot of people get to have. So I'm just, I'm really grateful that I have no regrets and I got to say everything I wanted to say. And he knew um, how special and how much I loved him. So, so thinking about um, this story is, it's so like, I'm, I'm not crying like Jamie is, but I have tears. <laughs> um and this is the second time it's ever happened on the show so like uh, that's a good good sign yeah. but um Sorry. so thinking of, so you know you get the news that you know you get to say your final goodbyes and you get the news that he's passed so mm-hmm. now you're kind of you're you're just here you're you're he's gone you're still existing you're still here um what was the grief process like for you kind of at that point and then how did it yeah go? Um, so I got kind of fortunate in a way, um, in that my sister and my brother-in-law had driven from Chicago to New York 
because they knew I was getting very stressed out about little things like grocery shopping. They're like, if we get, if we get sick, that's fine. We have to protect you. Ironically, I gave them both COVID. <laughs> um, oh my God. I know. So, so I, this, yeah. So, I mean, they came while you were still with COVID. Yeah. Like, they I came. Mean, oh my God. The layers of, of all of this, although, they, you know, but I will say like, just hearing your side, um, we don't often get, you know, in, when, when it comes to death, not in a lot of cases, do you know, generally, I mean, if somebody's sick, you know, it's coming, right? Um, but it's, we have not really heard this perspective. So appreciate that. Of, oh, yeah. You know, yes, like how you were able to say goodbye and things like that. But, but the layers of just being, getting COVID as its own grief, <laughs> you know, aside from everything else. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a whole big mess. Um, um, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, I'm both grateful and very angry at the timing of this pandemic. Um, it, the pandemic has honestly helped me with my grief immensely. Um, I think it allowed me to, to grieve in a way that would just purely would not be possible if I was going about living my regular life. Um, and I don't think I would come out of that very well at all. Um, but yeah, so what happened next is my sister and my brother-in-law came when, right when Jack first got into the hospital, cause they were just coming to help regardless. We didn't know things sure. were going to go bad. Um, so they got it for me <laughs> mm-hmm. and my sister drove me straight to Florida, no stops. She, she didn't, she wasn't diagnosed yet, but we were wearing masks and everything. She just drove me straight down to Florida where my family is. I couldn't be, I couldn't be in the, like I, I said, the second he's on the plane, I need to not be in this state anymore because I can't be in this apartment. So I abandoned everything I own. Like I took our cat and I was like, time to go. Um, which is, so that's what we did. We holed up in this spare house um, for a month and she was never more than a foot away from me, quite seriously. Like we laid toe to face on the couch every day. We watched SVU for we counted at some point like 270 hours of law and order SVU oh. because my grief process was like I need absolutely nothing happy in my face right now I need sure. only misery I cannot deal with happy people <laughs> um, and there's no joy to be found in that show so <laughs> that's what we watched and like cutthroat kitchen which is just like a very angry cooking show <laughs> um you know, my comfort shows are like Parks and Rec and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and New Girl. And I'm like, there's, there are too many happy relationships, but I'm, I don't get to have mine anymore. So I don't want to see those. (laughs) Like it was that phase. I'm very happy to watch everybody be happy now, but like, um, in that first week of just pure anticipatory grief, um, that, cause he was alive for, I think eight days while I was in Florida. Um, so that's, I started in on that. I basically started grieving before he was gone. And I felt like, I remember verbalizing this too on like the drive down. Anytime he would call me or anytime I wanted to call him, I would just do it um, without much concern for the time or whatever it might be. Cause I knew that there would be a point where I would not be able to call him and I would want to call him. Um, and I know that sounds like very basic, but it was like having a connection to an angel sure. it was, because to me, he was gone. Like there was, yeah. I was never going to access 
him again. And so I was just getting the chance to communicate with somebody who I knew I didn't have anymore. Um, And so that was, that kind of really eased me into it. And um, I was doing, I was doing okay for, I think most people from what I've discovered on TikTok, um, what people have said to me, I was, I was doing okay for the first month, you know, I was crying till my pillow was soaked every day, but um, largely I was like a stable person. And after my sister left, it slowly started going downhill. I, so I, (laughs) I don't know how I present to you guys, but like, I'm generally a very bubbly, happy person. And I smile when I'm sad and like, um, so it's really hard to see depression or anxiety on me because I just, my facial expressions cover it very well. Um, so nobody really saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, so nobody really saw me spiraling. Everyone at work thought I was fine, even though it was like two months after Jack passed. I took a month off, like a month and a half off after he passed. Um, and, but what I saw was happening is I had locked myself up in a room. I was using COVID as an excuse to like not interact with anybody in my family. I was living in my parents' house, but I was just locked in a room with my cat. Um, and slowly I would stop going down to get my meals. I would have I would ask my mom, like, hey, can you just drop off like a box of cereal or something at my door? Um, I I got to the point where I wasn't opening the blinds anymore. I wasn't going outside. I hadn't been outside in days. Um, And like, this is probably TMI, but this is really the thing that triggered my acknowledgement of what was going on. Um, I drink a lot of water and I would not get I couldn't get myself out of bed and I ended up getting myself a UTI and I'm like if you're getting to that point where you're literally getting yourself sick because you can't get yourself out of bed like there's clearly a problem so that's when I no this is that's a very real thing and I'm glad you're bringing it up because these are the kinds of things that we want to share with people yeah to look out for and to take care of themselves and to learn from from you know yeah. what we've learned. <laughs> yeah. And it, it felt, <laughs> it felt so natural to slip into it because I was like, well, you know, I'm tired and I'm sad. So like, why should I get up out of bed? Why should I, why should I do anything? I have a free pass to not do anything, but it, it was at the point where some terrible therapist pointed out to me, she was like, you're doing fine, right? Like you're eating, you're sleeping, you're taking care of yourself. When I told her, I was like, I think I'm depressed, like clinically. Um, and she, I was like, I'm not doing any of those things. I don't know why you have that impression of me. Um, wow. Yeah, exactly. And that's, mm-hmm. I got like the best psychiatrist of all time. I'm obsessed with her. Um <laughs> Uh, cause she's, she's the kind of psychiatrist that gives you basically a whole therapy session on top of, you know, giving you the medication. <laughs> so the ideal, we time. like that. We love, <laughs> we love Mira. I'll, I'll name drop her. Mira is my girl. Um, yes. yes. So we got on medication for anxiety, for sleep, for everything until I could basically reset myself. And it kind of felt like slowly this weight was lifting off. And honestly, that was, that was allowing me to better engage with my grief because when I was so depressed, it was mostly like, I can't exist. Like everything feels gross. I feel gross. I'm not eating well. I'm angry at everyone. Like I would snap at absolutely everyone. So finally I was able to kind of put all that aside or put that, you know, 
settle all of those emotions in myself. And then I was really able to reflect on things with Jack again, not that he was ever very far from my mind. Um, and I would say about six months in is when it got, that is not quite the right word. Cause I don't think it's ever bad to sit there and think about Jack and our relationship. I got sad again, talking about him whenever I could just makes me really happy and nobody asks about him. So that's why I started posting on TikTok because I thought, Hey, you know, I would, I want to talk about this and nobody wants to talk to me about this. I'm just going to stuff and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate this. Thank you. And still Absolutely. to this day, like my, my number one advice to anybody who's got somebody grieving in their life is just ask about the person or like engage when they mention the person. And I've said this to everyone in my life and absolutely no one has taken that advice, not a single person. And because of the structure of our relationship and the distance we had, I'm not close with any of the people. Um, and like, I'm not close, we don't share friends and things like that. We knew some of the same people, but I, I don't feel connected with them in that way. So I don't, I don't really have anyone to just like chit chat about Jack with. So instead I make friends like you guys that I can chit chat yes. about Jack with. Absolutely. And it makes it, um, so doing that, just kind of doing for myself, what I wish other people were doing for me, um, is really what helped me get through December was the worst time because that was his birthday, his, um, his cancer diagnosis and like the start of a lot of things. Um, the first Christmas after spending Christmas with him was really hard. My family thankfully chose to just not acknowledge Christmas. I was like, I don't want a tree. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the open presents. I'll give you presents. But like, let's not, let's not call it what it is. <laughs> Oops, sorry. And they were fantastic about that. I, oh, I did not good. receive one Merry Christmas or one Happy New Year because I was like, that doesn't feel appropriate. I'm like, it's not merry or happy. You are correct. Yes. <laughs> um, but so in that sense, they were great. Um, but it was, it was a really hard time. But posting on TikTok, I think that's when I started doing more so, was really wonderful because it turns out there's a lot of people just like me, just like us, that really just want to talk about their person, damn it, and want to be honest about these feelings. And, want, and there's a lot of thoughts that I later realized that I had that I was really ashamed of and embarrassed by um, that I shouldn't have been ashamed of or embarrassed by because it turns out everybody else feels the same way too. Um, so I don't, I don't know, I kind of started to feel like it was my responsibility within my family, within my friends, within my social media, which is only TikTok, um, and at my job in particular, to be extremely honest about what I was going through, because people were paying attention to me at my job when I lost Jack, um, just, I guess, because of as you say, the tragedy of it all, like, I'm only, I'm 29, like, yeah. this is too young to be going through this, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm, and so, still crying, yeah. still crying, so, <laughs> it's fine, um, <laughs> so they, they really paid attention to what I was saying, and, like, HR was paying attention, and ultimately, they told me, like, they thanked me for being so honest, and something that I think 
the older generation would maybe say, Hey, be careful. Yes. You're going to get yourself in trouble. If you tell them that you have widow brain and can't process admin stuff for a while. No, I'm um, so proud of you. Like, this is like, this is why we do this, right? Because yeah. look at this, you are, you are going to teach so many people a very big, <laughs> important thing that, you know, it, it doesn't come naturally necessarily you know I mean and it took you time too so yeah for sure for sure um and yeah so I really appreciate the opportunity to like just I don't know put myself out there no matter how awkward it might feel um and kind of help other people because it's going to happen to everyone it's, it's unfortunate but it happens to every single one of us in one way or another um even if it's just your guinea pigs you know right. but yeah. <laughs> true even if you need to get on medication because you lost your guinea pigs, um, um, it's going to happen to everyone and nobody wants to talk about it. And everybody wants, and everybody feels like some level of shame, I think in their grieving process. So it's been really rewarding for me. Um, and probably the thing that's most lifted me out of my grief to be able to talk to other people about it. Um, especially not just posting on TikTok, but the messages I get on there are, oh my gosh, they are both heartbreaking and beautiful. I've gotten messages from, I've gotten messages from folks with terminal cancer asking how, how they can better uh, help their partner after, through this process, knowing what's going to happen. And I was, I mean, that, that'll, that'll ruin you for a couple days, but for sure. Um, <laughs> But like, yeah. that's, you know, that's awesome, right? Because yeah. like, you know, you're helping them be able to get through. Yeah. Get um, through too. <laughs> I think we're helping each other get through it, you know, um, because I mean, I certainly don't have the answers, but, um, but talking through these things with other people, um, I think just leaves us all wiser. So it's, that's been the best part of my grieving process. Absolutely. I love that so much. Um, Me too. Well, like you were just, you just seamlessly transitioned into the next part of what I was going to say. So I don't even got to say it now. <laughs> usually, usually, usually it's like what pushes you to keep going, you know, and it's, it's, you know, it's this ability to, to create this platform to, and, and to your, you know, to your point, it's, we always feel so isolated in our, in our emotions and our grief. But when we put them out there in the universe and say like, hey, universe, this is how I'm feeling, it throws it throws it back to you like with five people saying, yeah, I'm feeling this exact same way right now. I'm, I'm part of all these, these groups on Facebook that are grief associated and a lot of them are related to death because, you know, I'm just trying to open my world with, with the podcast and every time someone posts, you know, like, hey, guys, I'm not doing good, you know, or like my, I just lost this person and hundred people jump on, you know, the comments saying like, Hey, you know, like we're here to, you know, like we get it, you know, we're hanging there or there are people like, Hey, we haven't heard from this person in a couple of days. Are they okay? Like, can someone check on them? You know, there's like, so there's this, you know, in a weird way, grief kind of just like unifies people too, like in a lot of ways. Yes. An unspoken bond. I, I completely and utterly agree. I actually, so I just came off of like a three week break where I was just enjoying visiting my sister and dealing with some more complicated emotional stuff stemming from grief actually um like the resurgence of a friend breakup that I had in relation to that and some other things and 
I got, I, I got a few messages from people being like, you haven't posted in a couple weeks. Are you okay? And that was just, it just made my day that anybody even noticed that I wasn't as present as I had been even on TikTok, but like I wasn't as present with my friends either. I was just completely kind of like in my own thing. Um, and that's just, it feels, it feels really comforting to know that there are people out there that don't, don't really know me, um, who I know that I could message at any point and just be like, I'm having a tough day. <laughs> Can you come help me? And they will. And it's really nice to do that for other people too. Like, that's my favorite part. If there's any reason I still post anything on TikTok, it is just in case that reaches a person who needs to talk to someone. And then I get to chat with them for a few days or they become like a long-term friend and we get to go through something together. And that just feels, that just feels so magical. Um, and I've become such good friends with people who've gone through different kinds of losses. Um, Cause you know, partner loss, I think is very specific um, because you're mourning a lot of different things than a family member um, or, or, or a friend or anything like that. They're all very different in their own ways, but there is something about understanding grief and understanding that isolation you were talking about that immediately, immediately connects you. I feel closer. I feel closer to some of the people that I've really gotten into these conversations about grief with than I do with some friends that I've had in my life for, you know, 10 years. It's, Ain't that it's a the special. Truth? Yeah. <laughs> It's off-putting at first. Then you're like, oh, my God, this is great. Right. <laughs> so, so Danny, um, as we kind of close out the episode and everything, we, we have this, this phrase we ask all our guests to complete. It can be a single sentence. It can be a, or a single word. It can be a, a sentence. How would you finish the sentence, grief is? This is going to sound very strange. Um, I don't know if anybody's said this one before. But the first thing that pops into my mind is that grief is beautiful. It is. Um, I think it is a time, it's not even a time because it's a permanent state in my opinion. Um, it is time to reflect on how important people can be in your life and the lasting, the forever impact of them. Um, so there's just yeah, there's a beauty to the fact that you you can know for sure that somebody sticks with you forever and that that love truly can surpass anything, including death. Like that's, to me, it's a very beautiful experience. I appreciate every day that I think of Jack, which is every day. Um, I, I think it's a, I think it's a beautiful experience. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, Me too. <laughs> Danny, you're just, you're just a, a, a wonderful person. And um, it's, I, I, I love the universe, how it works in ways like this. And I'm getting a little teary. I just think about it, but, um, but I'm, I'm grateful for you for being here. I'm grateful for Jack for, for, for Jack because yes. without Jack, we would not be here right now. Right. For, yes. For, you know, um, so shout out to Jack, wherever he is, you know. Yes, I, um, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, dude's here. <laughs> like, he's here. Dude is here. Yes. Dude is absolutely here. But yeah, um, it's, it's such such an amazing story. It's I I think 
it's you just it's so amazing you, you got to have one of the great love stories in your lifetime it was it was a lightning flash of a love story but damn was it strong like it's <laughs> yeah it's and, and you are shaping taking that that love and shaping it in a new way you know it's not gone obviously you know it's very much you know here and and lasting and you're just shaping it in a new way thank you both for saying all that i i always say that i am people tend to to hear what's happened and kind of pity <laughs> pity is not a fun word but you know they feel terrible about it which is fair reaction but I my immediate I'm like I am so lucky you have no idea I feel like people can go their whole lives without experiencing what I have with Jack and I say I keep that present tense because he's still very much a part of my life and always will be um so yeah I feel I feel very lucky that I have Jack that you guys have shared Jack with me. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> um, thank you. And and that you've given me this chance to to talk about it all. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> You're all, very welcome. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Emotional Duct Tape. Um, take care, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.